Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. A prayer. Praise the Lord. All right, let's go ahead. We're going we're gonna, to um, uh, get into God's Word today. And uh, I'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 1 through 10. I heard a story one time of a man that was uh, walking home from work, and uh, he decided to take a shortcut through the cemetery. And it was late at night. He had gotten off, and it was dark out, and he was walking through the cemetery. And as he was walking through the cemetery, he accidentally fell into a grave that was freshly dug. How many know that's a bad night? You, you're walking home from work, and all of a sudden you fall in a grave, and all of a sudden this man, he begins to claw and, and yell and scream, and he's trying to get out of this grave, and he can't get out of it, and he's sweating, and he's scared, and, and uh, he's like, oh, dear Lord, hope the bulldozer don't come at midnight, you know what I'm saying? And there he is in the bottom, and so finally he's exhausted. He's like, you know what, I'm just going to wait till sunrise, and maybe somebody will walk by and see me. So he goes and he sits at the other end of the, of the grave. About 30 minutes later, another guy decides to do the same thing walking through the graveyard. I'm not sure about the graveyard walking, but he starts walking through the graveyard and he falls in this same grave hole, this dug ditch. And uh, he falls in at the other end and he's freaking out as well. And there he is, he's trying to claw himself up out of there. And uh, he's trying to get out, and over in the dark shadows is the first guy that fell in. This guy starts sweating, and he's trying to get out, and he's, he's exhausted. And finally, uh, he just is like, you know what? I'm just going to wait, hope till somebody comes at sunrise. And all of a sudden, out of the dark shadows came these words, you cannot get out of here. And all of a sudden, this guy said, yes, I can. And he shot up out of the grave. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, he got scared, he shot right up out of there. Well, praise God, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today. He's not in the tomb. Come on, man, when dark shadows had a hold of us and sin had a hold of us and, and the voice of the enemy had a hold of us and said, it, well, you're not going to make it out of here, God said, yes, I am because I came out of the tomb, therefore you come up out of there. Come on, somebody. And so Jesus is alive today. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to read today. But before I do, on Thursday, there was an arrest. And on Thursday, this past Thursday, as we celebrate this past week of, of Passion Week and the Passover week, that on Thursday, Jesus had had, had his last meal with his disciples, and he was, had washed their feet, and, and um, he, he announces at the, at, the, at the moment there that whoever dips his bread in the cup the same time I do uh, will be the one that will betray me. How many know that's a bad day if you're the guy that at the right time dips your bread the same time Jesus did? Well, Judas had done that, and he said, go on your way. And he went, and Judas, that had uh, 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 plotted over, over money uh, for Jesus to be taken and arrested, and so he comes back, Jesus is there, and, and uh, he goes into the garden, and he's seeking God, and he's, he's worshiping, and, and he's praying, and he knows what he's getting ready to face is about to be a big deal. He says in this moment, he says, God, if you can let this thing pass from me, please do. But if not, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And says, not my will, but thy will be done. All of a sudden, Judas comes with Roman soldiers, and they start looking for Jesus. And they say, where, where was Jesus of Nazareth? 
And Jesus says, here I am. And all of a sudden, they all fall down. Why is that? Because he's powerful. He just, said, he, just said, he just said, here I am. And so they arrested him, and they took him out, and they took him before Pontius Pilate. And the next day, between then and there, he would be beaten and, and sentenced to a crucifixion. And uh, he would be beaten at a whipping post, and he would give stripes upon his back for our healing and crown of thorns upon his head. And, and he would take a beating like no other person would ever take on Friday. He would be crucified, and he would hang between heaven and earth. And there would be a moment where, where he, would, he would say to his father, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and it is finished. He was done. He had completed the redemption plan of God. He became the lamb, slain, the, 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 the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and he gave his life on Friday, and they took him off of there, and it was Passover, so they couldn't do what they normally do, and so they gave his body to Joseph of Arimathea. He had a borrowed tomb. You guys know why it was borrowed? He wasn't staying around. Come on, somebody. And so he gave me to, they took his body and they put him in, a, in, the, in the grave there and they put a big stone and stone in front of it, wheeled a stone in front of it. And they thought, you know, that Jesus had gone and he was dead. And, and uh, Jesus had told them, listen, he said, hey, you can kill this temple, but in three days I'm getting up. And so all of a sudden, uh, about the third day, at, at the third day, Sunday morning, that the, the Bible says that the, that, that the earthquake happened and the angel of the Lord came and rolled the stone away and the Son of God got up out of there. He took his little, his little napkin that they covered him in and he made it nice and neat at the, at the head of the tomb and he, he shot up out of there and all of a sudden he began to appear to his disciples. He told Mary and them, go tell my disciples that I've risen from the dead. And there they are, they're in, the, they're in a room, and Thomas, they come running in and talk about Jesus being resurrected, and Thomas like, I ain't going to believe unless I see. All of a sudden, when he said that, Jesus walked through the wall. How many know that'd freak everybody out? He walked through the wall, and he says, handle me. He says, stick your hands in, my, in, in the holes in my hand and in my wrist and, and, and touch my side where the spear went through. He had, he had resurrected from the dead, and he had, he had manifested himself after resurrection over 200 times to 200 different people. There's proof that he rose from the dead as the, as the encounters go after hundreds of times that he, he went and visited his people and, and met with people and sat with people and his resurrected body form that there he was, the Son of God. And what had happened in that moment was death had been sealed. Death, hell, and the grave had been defeated so we could walk out in victory. And today I want to talk to you about Jesus, our freedom. Jesus, our freedom. Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. He said, they came to him, 
clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. See, you have to understand today that the death, burial, and resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith as Christ followers. Nothing else. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. The death, burial, and resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith as Christ followers. Not a bunch of extra stuff. This is it. Death, burial, and resurrection. And what we have to understand today is because of the death, burial, and resurrection— that we can experience freedom. And so my key thought for you this morning on this Easter morning is freedom is possible because of the resurrection. Look at your neighbor and say freedom. Look at your other neighbor and say possible. Freedom is possible because of the resurrection. And, and my, kind of my key point this morning is that Jesus' death freed you from something, but his resurrection freed you to something. He freed you from something, which we're going to look at, but then he freed you to something. So what was it that his death had freed us from? What did his death free us from? You have to realize that Calvary and him dying on the cross is God's divine reach. He reached out to a broken world. Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we, were yet, while we were still in our sin, that Jesus came and gave his life for us. So his death was uh, uh, God's divine reach. In John 19, verse 30, it says this. When Jesus had slipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit to God. When he said, it is finished, what he was saying was, I sealed the deal. I sealed the deal. In other words, he said, it is finished because everything that sin had us bound to, now you have the opportunity to be free from. When he said it is finished, it wasn't just the fact that, that he had accomplished the plan, but that the plan actually was supposed to be appropriated to human beings that when we were separated from our father, that because of what Jesus did, now we can be free from sin and we don't have to live in sin and the power of sin can be broken over our life. The word sin simply means we miss the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So what did he free us from? It's important for you to understand this morning that whether you're on the journey or you're beginning your relationship with Christ, or maybe you don't even know Jesus yet, that right now you're going to understand that when you say yes to Christ, this is what he frees you from. If you're a Christian, I believe there's a lot of Christians that walk around, they don't even know what they're free from. Sometimes we think, well, we prayed a prayer. Well, that's great. And God, we got our fire insurance is what I'll call it. We're not going to hell anymore. But wait a minute, there's much more to it. God wants you to be free on the earth. He doesn't want you to wait till you get to heaven. He wants you to be free while you're here on the earth. And so for us to understand what that looks like, we have to understand what it is finished, accomplished. What did he free us from? Number one, he says that he removed your transgressions. Now that's a big word for a Sunday morning. The word transgression really is this, it's from the word trespass. It literally is the outward, outward moments of our life. It literally means this, it means to step over a known boundary, something you think about that becomes an action. 
In other words, a transgression is our outward action. It's the things we do in this life that are counterproductive. It's the things we do in this life that are counter to God's plan. And he says this, he says, he says uh, that the word trespass means to step over a known boundary, something you think about that becomes an action. And Jesus said this, part of what was finished was that he removed your transgressions. In other words, when you said yes to Jesus, Every action of disobedience prior to that moment, he washes you white as snow. He cancels it, and he sets you free from your transgression. Every outward thing that you've done contrary to the things that God has for your life. And number two, it says that he released you from your iniquities. The word iniquity is the word bent place. It's, it's a tendency. Literally inward, it's, the word iniquity is an inward motivation that drives us towards sin. So in other words, iniquity is in your heart and transgression is in your hand. Again, this is what he sets you free from. Again, iniquity is in your heart and transgression is in your hand. Iniquity is your attitude and transgression is your action. So the Bible tells us that he set us free and he removed our transgressions and he released us from our iniquities. So everything of iniquity that's in our heart, all the transgression that we've done within our actions, it says that he set us free. Isaiah 53, 5 says it this way. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It says he was wounded. Again, a wound is an open, it's an open uh, uh, wound. It's open. You can see there's blood coming from it. And he says, I was wounded for your transgressions. In other words, the reason it was visible, the reason he had to die the way he did, was to, to set us free from our outward action called transgression. He says he was wounded for our transgression and he was bruised for our iniquity. A bruise is internal bleeding. So he says internally iniquity is the actions of our heart. It's the things within us. And so God didn't just set our heart free, he set our actions free. He didn't just die so we could have inward freedom, he died so we could have outward freedom. So he took care of both things on the cross. So when he said it is finished, he set us free from our iniquity and from our transgression. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. In other words, we have been completely cleansed from the inside out. Boy, that's freedom. I don't know about you, but there was a moment in my life that I needed cleaned up. There was a moment in my life where I needed Jesus to come in and set me free. There was a moment in my life where I was lost in sin. There was a moment in my life where I was confused and I was lost and I needed Jesus to come in and to set me free. Well, he washed me inside and out. Come on, somebody. He set me free on the inside and he set me free on the outside. That's what happened when he says it is finished. In other words, we've been completely cleansed. And number three is this, it says this, he set us free, he, he removed our transgressions, he released us from our iniquities, and number three, he remembers your sin no more. You know men lose their memory overnight? It's funny, all the ladies are laughing. You know, we, we, you talk to us today, we go to sleep tonight, and you bring up a conversation we had today, tomorrow, how many know we don't remember it? Most of the guys are like, what? What are we talking about? What, what's going on? How many know women remember everything? <laughs> everything. Everything touches. Men, we think in boxes. That's how our brain works, right? If it's work box, we pull the work box out and then we go to work. 
right? And then we put that away. We parent, we have kids, we pull the parenting box, we do that. And then there's a box in the middle that all men deal with. It's called the nothing box. We live a lot in the nothing box. But women, your brains are like spaghetti. What do I mean by that? Everything touches. And it's spaghetti with a lot of electricity. In other words, everything touches. That's why when you ask us, how did you get to the store? It's really simple. We turn left and there we were. You talk about all the trees you saw, the dogs that ran across the street. Come on, you give us all the details of how you got to the store, right? Because everything touches. Well, men, when we fall asleep, we wake up the next day, we don't necessarily remember. Women, we, we, you guys remember everything. Well, the Bible tells us this, that, that he remembers our sin no more. Come on, somebody. He remembers our sin no more. And so sin produces guilt, shame, and acute awareness of our failure. It always produces shame and guilt and, and failure in our lives. But listen to what Isaiah 43, 25 says. I, even I, am who, who blots out your transgressions, there it is again, for my own sake, and remembers your sin no more. This is what he freed you from. Some of you are like, well, I don't even know how to get started. We'll get there. But listen to me. He says that he has set us free. He remembers our sin no more. Hebrews 8, 12 says it this way, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. The word remember is this, to bring up or to recall to use against you. Jesus says in Isaiah that I will never take your sin, bring it before you, and accuse you of that sin. When you say yes to him and you get it under the blood of Jesus and you allow the Lord to save you and to set you free, he says, I will never recall it against you again. I will never use your sin against you. Why? Because he remembers it no more. He makes a decision to no longer bring up all of our mishaps and all of our mess-ups all of our failure and all of our shame and all of our guilt, he chooses not to bring it up anymore. Come on, that's the kind of God we serve. He's not judgmental. He's not con condemning. He, he's not what some people uh, would call as, as, um, as a, a con condemnation. No, he's a God that says, listen, I don't care how low you were. He says, I came down to the earth to get in your mess and to set you free, and I'll never recall the sin that you participated in. Come on, somebody, that's freedom. He is our freedom. So when you understand what he's done for you and what he's freed you from, it sets the stage for you to live in what Christ has freed you to. Not only did he set you free from something, but he, his resurrection, freed us to something. It sets the stage. We can understand now that he set us free from these transgressions and iniquities, and he remembers our sin no more. So what did the resurrection free us to? I love 1 John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. John eleven twenty five 25 says this, Jesus speaking. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. I am the resurrection and the life. So it's not that Jesus just freed you from your sin and left you that way. He freed you from your sin because he has something for you to walk in from that day forward. It wasn't just, oh, I, I got you set free and that's it. That's the end of it. No, there's more to it. The Bible says, I am the resurrection. He believes in me, though he's, yet shall he live. So what are some things that the resurrection frees us to? Number one is a new life. 
Do you realize Easter and resurrection is about life? It's not about Easter bunnies and candy, though. Thank God for Cadbury eggs. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Them things, those things are borderline anointed when they go in. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, you know, or, those, or, the, or, the, or the Reese, oh, mm, hallelujah. You put them in the freezer, mm, bring them out, hallelujah. Frozen Reese cup eggs, amen. But that's not what Easter's about, though that's a great. Easter's about life. It's about not just Jesus' life and coming back from the dead, but what that represents is that we now have an opportunity to experience new life. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. What is the resurrection? It is a gift of new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he didn't just set us free from certain things. He set us free to some things. And what are those things? New life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for a new life. I'm very thankful for the freedom of knowing that no matter what I did, no matter what I experienced, no matter how I grew up, no matter where I came from, that in the middle of my mess, Jesus would get down and he would die for me and he would raise from the dead for me, that he would set me free from my sin, but he wouldn't just leave me there, that he would give me new life and he would say, Jason, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Some of you, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, you need a new life. You need a new life to begin. Don't allow this Easter and this resurrection just to be another tradition that you did with your family. Come today realizing that Jesus offers you something, that he offers you freedom and not just the freedom to set you free from those things and that your sin would be remembered no more but when you when you come into a relationship with him you're coming into a new life John 10 10 says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest the resurrection provides us new life number two it gives us a new hope it gives us a new hope he freed us not only to new life, but he freed us uh, to new hope. Hope is defined as this. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I love to fish. Anybody else fish in the room? I love to fish. But, you know, you go on a boat, one of the key things of fishing with a boat is you need, sometimes you need an anchor. You know, if not, you're in the current, you're fishing, stuff like that. You do, your boat's going to take off down the river, right? We, at, at times, you need the anchor. You need to drop anchor because you found yourself a little crappie hole. Come on, somebody. And you don't want to leave until you catch all 27 that's down there. Right? And so all of a sudden, you, you anchor down. Why? Because the flow may send you down and you don't get to fish right there. Well, what, what happens in life? That's the same way. Is life comes and there's a current of life that takes place. Well, the Bible tells us this, that hope is our anchor. As the boat sits there and we can fish and enjoy, our anchor brings stability in the middle of a current that allows us to live in this new realm and this new possibility. So there's a new hope that takes place, that Jesus doesn't just give us a, a, a freed from sin, but he gives us a new life and he gives us a new hope. Hope becomes our anchor. Romans 5 says it this way. Not only that, 
But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. John eleven twenty six 26 says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall not die. Listen, spiritually, you won't die when you believe in him. Oh, we're all going to end up in the grave physically. But the question is, where will you spend eternity? See, when you have Jesus and you understand that the resurrection is, is about new life and it's about having a hope that, that when you're on the earth, you can be driven by eternity. And number three is that he gives you a new purpose. The resurrection gives you a new purpose. See, it, it moves us out of being about ourselves. It, it moves us out about just living our life. He gives us a new life, and he gives us an anchor and hope, and then he gives us a new purpose. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He, he's going to give you a new purpose. He's going to give you a new purpose in your life. And see, here's the thing you have to understand is all the way back in the beginning, purpose was lost. Why was it lost? Adam lost purpose when he gave in to the enemy. Was it the fact that he gave in to the enemy that he lost purpose? No. He lost purpose because he stopped listening to his father. He was separated from his dad. He was separated from his heavenly father that had created him out of the dust of the ground. And when you separate from the person that designed you, the person that made you, the, the person that has a plan for you, all of a sudden you live in a life with no purpose and no hope and no life because you're separated from the one that has the ability to set us free. He gives us a new purpose. See, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I needed three things. I needed a friend. I needed forgiveness. I needed a future. See, when I said yes to Jesus, I needed a friend, I needed forgiveness, I needed a future. And when I, what I discovered about Jesus is he provides all three of those things. That, that he gives me a new purpose, he gives me a future, he forgives me, and he becomes my best friend. See, because Jesus' life, Jesus gives life its purpose. We don't have to go out searching for purpose if we search for the one that gives us purpose. And when we connect with our Father, when we connect with Jesus, that he gives us the purpose that we need. 2 Corinthians 3.17 in closing. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He gives us a new life. He gives us a new purpose. He gives us a new hope. And he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When Jesus came to the earth, and when you say yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in, and he's the one that makes you a brand new creature. So wherever he is, is where freedom is. So everybody just... Point at your heart this morning. Just take a moment and point at, point at yourself. If you're a Christ follower, say this with me. He lives in there. So if he lives in there, go ahead, say it, class. So if he lives in there, there's freedom. 
Because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if the Spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of me because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that means that I'm not looking for freedom. I'm not searching for freedom somewhere else. All I got to know is that freedom's on the inside of me. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So when you say yes to Jesus today, guess what happens? Holy Spirit moves in on the inside of you. And he brings his freedom and he breaks every chain. He delivers you from everything that has you bound. And he gives you a new hope. He gives you a new life. And he gives you a new future. Let's close our eyes this morning in prayer. If in this place today you say, Pastor Jason, or if you're watching online today, you say, Pastor Jason, I need to search my heart this Resurrection Sunday. I came into this room just thinking that it was about tradition. It was about, it was about celebrating a tradition. No, today is about a new life. Today is about understanding what you've been freed from so you can walk in what you've been freed to. And that's a new life, that's a new hope, and that's a new purpose. That's what the resurrection provides for you. How do you receive that? It's really simple. If I wanted to give you a new car today and I handed you the keys, how do you receive a new car? You need to reach your hand out and just take the keys. It's already been paid for. I took care of that for you. And I put the keys out and I say, here you go. If you argue about it, it's already been paid for. If you say, oh, no, no, that's not for me. No, that's not for me. No, that's not for me. Listen, the only way you receive it is if you take your hand out and take the keys, then it becomes yours. That's what's gonna happen this morning all over this room and online today is that some of you have to realize that sin has been paid for. Jesus did that. He rose from the dead to give you new life and new hope and new purpose. All you gotta do is reach out and take it. So if you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, or if you're watching online, you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. We're gonna pray a prayer all together this morning. And if that's you in the room, I just want you to mean it from your heart. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, come forward, do anything where I just want you to mean it from your heart. It's a personal decision. I got saved in my bedroom as an addicted young man searching for hope. I just cried out to the Lord in my bedroom in 1994. Wasn't raised in church. But I cried out to the Lord and he came and he set me free. And there's nothing like the new life and the new hope and the new purpose in Jesus. So right here in this moment, we're all gonna pray together. And as we do, for those of you that say, I need to make that decision today, just believe in your heart and we're gonna confess with our mouth that Jesus was crucified, that he died and he rose again from the grave. And so let's all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to become my sacrifice, to take my sin upon himself, and to raise from the dead. Today, I accept you into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make all things new. Thank you for remembering my sin no more. I do acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need a Savior, and you're it. So transform me, set me free today. Be my Lord, in Jesus' name. Say this with me, everybody. I surrender all. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap today, everybody. 
Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.